they just see someone who's musically gifted, someone that played college football, successful after that. I needed to put something out there that was more realistic and just let people know, just like the sweatshirt says, that you are not alone. Hi, we are Colleen and Colleen, and we have made it our mission to spread kindness and make everyone feel like they belong. So each week we will share real life stories, motivating insights, and helpful tips that will inspire you to live a kinder, happier life. We believe that together we can make the world a much better place. Are you in? I'm in. Let's do this. Welcome to the You Fit Here podcast. Hi, you guys. Welcome back to You Fit Here. We are so excited about this episode, but before that, I'm CB. And I'm CS. And today we welcome a very special, if I may say, handsome guest mm, who we can't, we can't wait to dig deep with. And he is willing to do that with us. We're so excited to have him. He's a man of many talents, currently doing something cool for Goodbones on HGTV, which we love. Love. But Love, but more than we really do. Um, but more than that, he is truly a, a kind, good man. He's a wonderful husband, an amazing father, and human who uses his life experiences to help impact our world, make it better. Not to mention a, a really big supporter of our brand, for which we are very thankful. So, welcome, Courtney, to You Fit Here. Hey, I, uh, I feel like that's a lot to live up to. <laughs> no. <laughs> Luckily, it's my first time getting introduced for anything, and it doesn't happen very often. So, <laughs> so I can honestly say that was the best introduction I've ever had. Oh, oh good. Well, just make sure you never get introduced for anything ever again. So we hold the bar very, very high. <laughs> yes. Um, if you guys have seen our Let's Redefine Normal campaign, we did five whole years ago already. He so graciously and his family members were a part of it showing us that a biracial family is and always will be completely normal. So we are so grateful. They've been with us since the very beginning. Um, Colleen's daughter hopefully will marry Courtney's son someday because <laughs> it got brought up yesterday. Yeah. Again, it's talked about a lot. In um, mm-hmm. But Courtney, let's take us back. What was your childhood like? What was it like growing up and all, all the good stuff? Yeah, so growing up, I had a really good childhood. Um, I was kind of an only child. My brother was 16 years older than me. Um, so I can pretty much say I'm an only child, I guess, right? Sort of, um, yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, <laughs> so you get it. Yeah. Uh, you get spoiled, but at the same time, you have somebody to complain about. To yeah. Somebody. So, uh, yeah, so... You know, I grew up pretty much a single child. I grew up here in Indianapolis. Um, I went to Park Tudor uh, pretty much all the way through school. Uh, started going there in third grade, all the way through high school. Um, was really big into sports uh, along the way and big into music as well. Uh, was a concert pianist back then, I guess, all the way through college, really. I started playing in sixth when I was six years old and um, I can see by your face, you're like really shocked by that. Yeah. That's I don't awesome. think I've ever met anyone who's ever told me that. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So my dad is very musical. Uh, he was a musician, uh, very well known. So I think that music gene got, got passed along to me. 
So I just tried to take advantage of that, that gift and, um, you know, just take advantage of it and see what it, what it could do for me. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I played the piano. Um, I also played the saxophone for a little bit, played for the, the trumpet for a little bit. Um, but really my go-to was the piano and, uh, this, you know, a lot of sports, baseball, basketball, football, of course. Um, so I feel like being able to be so good in sports, not trying to brag or toot my own horn or anything. You know, just playing sports and then being musically gifted as well just brings a lot of attention because you don't see that very often. So, no, you don't. So I kind of, um, made it a point to let that be known. My mom did as well. A lot of my teachers, a lot of my football coaches um, made a big deal about that, especially being at Park Tudor um, when you already don't see a big diverse crowd in such a small private school. Um, So they were just trying to highlight those talents that you don't have to be just a, a, a jock, that you can be musically gifted as well and be well rounded. That's amazing. I can't wait to tell Danny that. I I was doing, I mean, we already stalk you on Instagram, but I was just going back to make sure I got everything I needed. And I see Danny Hall likes like every one of your photos. Yeah. And yeah. I know, I mean, he loved seeing the kids when he was there, but he is musically gifted and um, had kind of suppressed it a little bit, but I'm going to, I can't wait to tell him about that. Yeah. What instrument does he play? Well, he, he, guitar and piano. Great. Great. Yeah. yeah. I mean, piano is definitely the hardest instrument to learn how to play. Right. You know, That's why I don't, I've never, piano. I've never learned. So yeah, yeah. it's never too late. My mom started when she was, wow. I want to say maybe 45, 50 because I was playing it so much that she picked it up. I mean, it kind of died down, but you know, she wasn't, she wasn't bad. I mean, she had the long fingernails, so every key that she used, like click, 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 click. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, awesome. Yeah, she was. She got pretty good as well. Um, but yeah, piano is definitely the hardest instrument to learn. So once when you know he really picks that up, you know the guitar will be easy. Um, you know, in my case, it was the saxophone and trumpet. But you know, my my son Connor, he's playing the drums now, and he's really good. So he has his lessons and I'm sitting there with him because after the lesson, I want to know like what he needs to practice because he's just not at that age where he's like, okay, I need to work on this. I need to work on that. So in order to show him and help him understand, I have to be in there and seeing what's going on. So now I'm learning the drums with him, which is really cool because I've never been a drums person. I've just, I've had that no, is so cool. like that. yeah. And then Ava, she plays the piano as well. So of course she does. She's so so Danny, yeah, they should, yeah, they should talk to Danny and, and tell him how fun it is. We'll, we'll have to bring Danny with us when we come over and see your pad. Yeah. He would love that. Gorgeous. For sure. we, just have uh, to have, we have to have you guys all over. Yes. Dinners. When CB comes in town, night. we'll have, I yeah. would love it more than yeah, anything in the world. Okay, so where did you then go to college? Did you leave I Indy did. at all or stay around there? 
I got uh, football scholarship offers to other schools, including Indiana. So I ended up going to Indiana. My whole family went to IU. So I grew up a huge IU fan. So it was kind of an easy decision for me. Uh, so I went to IU and, and played football there. Uh, I studied biology because I wanted to go into medicine. And uh, that kind of got put on the back burner because of like practices and, and the tough D1 schedule that is, you know, put on a college athlete. So I can't even imagine. I mean, it was hard enough for me to walk to class, let alone <laughs> find an intramural to play or something. I, I mean, the dedication that is required to be a D1 athlete I can't even imagine that. Yeah, uh, um, it's the the schedule is intense. It's it's probably the most intense thing that I've done in my life, even to date. Um, you know, you wake up around six six thirty. You go to training table, which is uh, where you eat. It's your breakfast, and they take attendance to see who was there, who wasn't there. So you always want to be on that good list. Then you always had 8 a.m. classes because you had to take all your classes in the morning. So from like 8 to 12, 12.30, you were in classes. And then after class, you had time to get lunch maybe for about an hour. Uh, Jimmy John's was always my always my go-to, right? Um, and then we had to go to the stadium after that to uh, weightlift. And then after weightlift, you got ready for practice, get your ankles taped, you got dressed. Then you would go in and watch film for about an hour, hour and a half. Then you go out to practice. And then after practice, you'd go back to the training table and eat dinner. And then after dinner, you would go to study tables. So oh you had to do your homework and study. So you didn't get out of there till 10, 1030. You had to be there till at least 10. And then you could finally have a social life until maybe one or two o'clock in the morning and then wake up and do it all over again. Yeah. And limit your social <laughs> life so that you weren't paying for it the next day, I'm sure. Or just right. Well, we were young it. enough. Yeah. We were young enough where we could get away with it then. It was right. like, yeah, that's four hours of sleep. I feel great. <laughs> totally. uh, now, now you can't do it. <laughs> no, it's no, we, we don't want to ruin those lives um, that are younger than ours out there, but also we don't want to lie to you. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's not pretty, guys. Just no, gotta rally it, sometimes. It's not pretty. Take advantage of it while you can. Oh yeah, because right. now it's nine o'clock bedtime, and I'm I'm good to go for you know. <laughs> um. Okay, so you mentioned growing up, um, when you were younger, that there wasn't a lot of diversity where you were growing up. When you were a kid, did you notice that, or did you have friends? Was it just not really a thing that you experienced? Or was it, like you said, they pushed your accomplishments, your athleticism and your musicality and all that stuff. Did you, were you aware that a lot of the people around me aren't either don't share my skin color or maybe. Yeah. It, yeah, for sure. It was definitely a unique situation that I was in and there weren't very many people, if any, that I knew that was kind of in that same boat as me, uh, meaning I grew up in Pike Township and the neighborhood I grew up was uh, definitely leaned more towards the African-American community. And 
you know, Pike High School back then too was was pretty much the same same way. It was a good mixture, I should say, Pike was back then. But um, you know, where I lived in Pike Township, it was primarily African American. So all of my friends uh, growing up, like riding bikes, playing basketball in the neighborhood, just hanging out, were pre- they were all African American. However, I would I didn't go to school with them. You know, I didn't go to Guyon Creek or New Augusta or Pike. I went to one of the best private schools, not let alone in the state, but in the Midwest. And it was primarily Caucasian. So having to leave my house and my friends and hanging out there, I'm going to a completely different, uh, <laughs> completely different realm uh, going to Park Tudor. So I would have my friends back home, like making fun of me and giving me a hard time just because of the way I talked, because apparently I talked white. But when I went to Park Tudor, you know, those were all my friends and they saw me for who I was because I I grew up with all of them. So they just knew me as as me. But I still was black. I mean, it's clearly I'm black. It's a visual. It's a visual thing. It's a fun. Uh, so having to go back and forth, you didn't really feel 100%, um, you know, you didn't really feel hundred percent connected to either side, you know, you didn't feel accepted. Right. Um, because one group saw you one way and, and another group saw you one way as well. So it's like, well, I get along with everybody. Like, I don't know what the problem is. So I'm glad you asked that because, you know, I was thinking about that a few weeks ago with my kids, you know, they're biracial kids and they're going to go through the same thing where, okay, well, the black community sees them as like mixed. They don't see them as 100% black. They could hang out with white friends. Their white friends don't see them as, you know, 100% white. So they're kind of in the middle and I'm going to have to have that talk with them someday. But it's one of those things where I can at least empathize with them and know a little bit of what they're going through. So, yeah, going to a school like Park Tutor, great experience, loved going there. But um, it definitely shaped who I was and who I am today. But also growing up definitely helped uh that as well, just because I feel like I can really talk to anybody. Um, and it really helped as far as going to IU too, because IU was a huge culture shock. You know, going from I was going to, I was going to say, yeah, going from Park Tudor, a small private school. I mean, I graduated with 91 or 92 other people in my class to going to a university that's thousands of people, but you know, even being on the football team, on the team alone, we had 105 players, which is more than I graduated in my class. And it's more minority driven on the football team. And you had backgrounds coming from everywhere, from Detroit, the projects in Chicago, Australia, a lot of guys from Florida, New York. I mean, literally from every walk of life, every kind of different background. Um, so that was a huge change for me coming from from Park Tudor. I kind of digressed and went down a rabbit hole there, but no, that's I that's, love that because yeah. 
you know, it's so interesting because when you're on the team that becomes like, I'm assuming they want the team to be like a family. So they do your meals together. They hope you guys study to get like you bond and create that relationship with all these different backgrounds and different people. And do you feel like growing up in that neighborhood and then going to school and it was totally different where you had to, I don't want to say adapt. I guess they have more or they have better words for it nowadays of like how to explain these things. But at that time, however many years ago, you were bouncing from like one world to the next world. And then did you feel like it all kind of came together in school because it was a more divert, you were like in the mix of everything at that point? Yeah. I mean, growing up when you're in like third and fourth and fifth grade, you don't think about that. You just, you just don't. And then I wonder at what point, because like our kids, we talk about this now. It's like they would never pay attention. They come home and tell me, oh, they're friends with Susie. They're not coming home and saying, I met a Chinese girl named Susie. They're just seeing Susie for Susie, you know, like at what point and what is it that suddenly that switches, you know, and people put a label on it in advance where it's like they have to explain who the person is and is it are adults who intervene and interfere? Is it, I don't know, the world, the news, the, when was it that like maybe you first noticed it as a kid? Oh, wow. Um, I don't think there was one specific incident or anything like that, that happened, um, you know, as a kid, I mean, I was just so, intertwined with it all from a really early age all the way up through you know to today um you know because I think sports had a lot to do with that growing up you know I played for the school league but I also played in uh, another league outside of school which was like all African-American so I was playing sports on both sides and all my friends were, you know, it doesn't matter where my friends came from. They were, they were all my friends. So I don't think there was one thing that happened to make me notice anything like that. But like when you said at what age, uh, that's really interesting because I saw something, I think it was on Instagram or Facebook where it was a picture of, I don't know, he's probably like three or four maybe Finn's age, my youngest son. And he's like the cutest little black boy ever. And it says, at what age do I become scary? And it was like, oh man, that's, that's true. Cause it gets you thinking like, okay, well he's so young and innocent and cute, but does he become a threat to you when he's like eight or 12 or 20? Like what age is that? And that's, that's the million dollar question. You know, you just, you just don't know unless maybe he, he or she does something. But, I mean, that could be for anybody. I saw that post also, and it broke my heart because it's so true. You go from just being a kid and then, like, someday something switches. And it's like, why do we even see that or think about it? And... I don't know. I think it's definitely a good thing that we're having all these conversations now because people would say like, Oh, I don't see color, but it's like, 
No, we see color and we need to celebrate everyone for who they are, not like ignore it and pretend that people are all the same and whatnot. And so where, I mean, we're going to get to this later, but like as adults, what can we be doing to like ensure that we want to celebrate these things, but we also don't want to like point them out. So kids are like, oh, well, this is how we're different, but yet not ignore things so that we can celebrate them in the future. You know, I don't know. It's that weird balance of parenting and kids and when does, what do we do? Someone give us a playbook. <laughs> yeah, I agree a hundred percent with, with what you said. Um, I just feel like, you know, you get there by, and you, you too know this cause you have kids. I mean, you get that by parenting. I was helping lead the confirmation retreat. Courtney's kid, Courtney's kids and my kids go to school together, just by the way, everybody. Um, and there was like a little break. So I was walking the halls and I went upstairs and our oldest kids, Ava and Ryan are upstairs now. It's so that's so weird. They're, they're in third grade. And I was of course looking for anything Ryan might've done that was on the wall. And it was family portraits that they had colored. And I was so nervous like walking along because I I just don't know. I, I know that Ryan calls Connor and Danny his brothers and I mean, he knows, but they're his brothers. And so I don't know. I, my heart was beating so fast and I see it and it's so perfect. And just the, just the right, like it was just so perfect and beautiful. And it had Doug and myself and Connor the exact same height as Doug because he is and Danny's a little bit taller and then the girls and even like Maddie had some little blonde highlights and Shannon was more brown hair but Connor and Danny I mean we were all kind of peachish and they were you know light brown brown and it just had everybody's names underneath and a heart and my family and I, that's a gift that that we are giving to our children without even gifting it. Like it's, this is our, this is who we are, but, um, I feel very blessed that this is who we are because, but at the same time, again, yeah, we're going to have to have that talk with them too, because if Connor or Danny ever experienced racism, we're going to talk about it. Um, and so anyway, gosh, so many directions. Colleen and I have talked about this before that Connor and Danny have grown up in an area where everyone knows them like they know your family they know your story so they get your family they know what it is but when they go to college you know no one's gonna know that and it's kind of like do you feel ever and this goes for anyone that like you might be in a bubble with your kids raising them where you feel like they're protected and then you send them off and someone doesn't know your story and sure enough your kids aren't going to be like hi my name's so and such and this is what happened to my parents and this is you know you don't want to have to go through that and relive that I mean you might but you probably might not and then how do you like protect them for like the cruel outside world that like doesn't already know them right I think it goes for any parenting but specifically like as an aunt, you were the aunt, like you weren't the mom raising mixed children and now you are. And so it's like, is there this whole nother level or layer that you have to think about sending your kids off into the world that can clearly not be so kind and hopefully is getting better and better and better day by day. Hopefully. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, there's never a good, um, you know, situation or anything like that, that um, that can come from what happened, right? Um, but I feel like, Colleen, you're probably one of the best people to um, bring in somebody like that because I just feel like you're the type of person that is exactly what we're talking about right now. I mean, really both of you, um, you guys have dedicated your life at this point to bringing awareness to all of these subjects. You know, we're talking about race right now, but, you know, I feel like there's the whole gender equality stuff that's going on right now. Um, we're talking about, about black and white, but there's also all the Asian American hate that's going on in the country right now. So there's a lot of different issues and I think that both of you, um, you know, do a great job of bringing awareness, like I said, just not to race issues, but making sure that everybody, uh, no matter what their background, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're feeling uh, physically or mentally, that you are bringing a positive message to it. So like what you did with the normal campaign. Um, so for me, it makes it really easy. Like you said in the introduction, it makes it really easy for me to support what you two are doing. Uh, and the t-shirts are really comfortable. <laughs> oh, we agree. They're, they're very comfortable, but they all have a good message and it's not like a corny message or anything like that. It's a, it's a cool message and it's just, it's right up my alley. And there's not one thing that, you know, I wouldn't wear. So that's what makes you so cool too. By the way. <laughs> you can just rock anything, anything just by the okay. way. Well, that yeah. was extremely kind what you said about us, but we have to touch on your smoking hot wife, Mary, <laughs> because she's always using her voice to promote like equality and inclusion and all these beautiful things. And we find just as much inspiration from you guys and seeing what you share and what you post. And then that just fuels our fire to be like, slap it on a tee. Let's do something with this because it's just beautiful. So tell us a little bit about, you know, when you guys were getting married, you were a biracial couple. And did you have to like deep dive into race, religion, all these things? Or was it just like, I love you, you love me, and let's do this thing? Yeah, it was a little bit of both, right? I've known Mary since she was in high school, um, and I had just started college. And even back then, she was she was that way. Um, so she had, like, her group of friends, and they were, um, you know, African-American, uh, white, uh, I think what, I forget what country, like, uh, Puerto Rican or Dominican, I forget, I forget it would kill me if they heard this. Um, but <laughs> I hope they do. So we can sort it out. <laughs> um, so it's like a variety of, of friends. And that was before we even met. So, you know, it's not like she just turned this on and she just, uh, became what, what you would call woke just because she met me and she married me. She's always been that way. And that's what really attracted me to her as well. And like you said, she's smoking hot. <laughs> smoking hot. But that's the way she's always been. 
And I don't know if it's something that happened with her at a young age or, or what it is, but you know, she's, she's Catholic obviously. And uh, she has a big Catholic family, which I think I might be the only minority one in the family, even with the cousins. That's interesting. I never really thought about that. I love well, that you've never really thought about that. Yeah, you haven't. I went to Park Tudor, and it's just a normal thing for me, right? Right. Um, so yeah, and so she she grew up with all that, and it was sort of like with me, but just reversed, right? So, um, so that's the way she's always been as well. Is you know, it's it's just always been a normal a normal thing for her, just like it's always been a normal thing for me. I love, I love that. I love that too. And then you're raising three beautiful kids to go out into the world and be, you know, emboldened to be, this is who I am. Like, and I'm going to love people for exactly who they are too. Yeah. It's always interesting to see, uh, (laughs) I'm sure Mary might not, notice it but i definitely see it whenever they like draw a picture of themselves or you know ava's like into that like the disney princess thing she's kind of coming off it a little bit but now she has things like on her ipad and her little avatars for netflix and, and disney plus like i'm like i wonder who she's gonna she's gonna pick and i always try to push her to moana because she kind of looks like moana yeah but she's like, oh, no, why, why do you do that blah 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 so yeah i'm just always curious to know like well what are you going to pick like what are you what are you leaning towards here is it going to be like a like a white disney princess with blonde hair are you going to pick someone like moana or pocahontas like i'm just i'm always curious i always notice that kind of stuff so it is so interesting my shannon who's five's godfather wanted to buy her an american girl doll for christmas and he's like which one does she want? And so I sat down with the catalog with her and we looked at every doll and she wanted this brown bear boy, like dark, dark. He's dark. His name's Tyler. He's adorable. And she said he reminded her of Connor, which is ironic actually when I, when I think how much he actually does kind of look like Connor, maybe a little darker, but uh, it, it just, I, I, I didn't say anything because I didn't want to ruin it, but I had, so many feelings. And I was like, this is the doll you, you want. If awesome gets you a doll, this is the doll you want. She's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, oh my yeah. God. I was yeah. so excited. And he's so cute. And he is, um, her, I mean, her favorite, her favorite of all the dolls. Anyway, I'm and now I'm bragging. I feel like I'm bragging. No, that's, it's great because I feel like you can tell a lot just by like an American girl doll that, that they pick out because Ava just picked one out for Christmas and I think she was, Oh, she was white. But the thing is with that one, out of all of them, uh, just like in your situation, she picked the one with the cochlear implant. Was it Joss? Yes. The surfer. Yes. We read that book. So good. So good. Yep. Such a good lesson in that too. Like, wow, that's really interesting. And it's like, sort of like you, it's like you patting yourself on the back. Like, <laughs> yeah, I told, her, I told her how not to look at that kind of stuff. And it's just normal. Totally. 
Exactly. I think it's, and well, I think the world is getting so much better for representation for like them to pick anything they want. Like even I saw colored or Crayola colored pencils made like a pack of all the skin tones because there were two options. Like yeah. white people are peach and black people are like a shade of brown. Dark. Like there yeah, is no shade. in between. And what do you do if you're Hispanic or Asian or like we're getting better. Thank the Lord we're getting better and options are available for people to see themselves if they want to see themselves or however they see themselves. So it might be like this person's in a wheelchair, I'm in a wheelchair, or this person looks like my brother, you know? And I think having that visibility for people in the books that we buy in our homes and the dolls we get, having it just a regular part of our lives is so huge because it just makes it a normal thing. It's not Mm -hmm. like, we don't have any, um, I'm trying to think of books. We don't have any books without white characters in it. So this is a different thing. Instead of all of our books are diverse and all these wonderful stories, because these books are so prevalent now about kindness and acceptance and inclusion, that a kid in a wheelchair being the main person in a story is just completely normal. It's not this crazy thing that we have to point out and notice every time. You know, yeah. and I think the more we do that as parents, I think we're doing a good job, guys. Hopefully yeah. everyone will listen and make sure that they are making all, all those things just a part of life, you know? Yeah. For sure. I think, you know, you, you mentioned Mary and <clears throat> her backstory. It just, you know, again, you know, the two two, you know. Toot away. Doing your own home over here. You know, it has nothing to do with me. Um she had ordered all of these books and I think there's like two or three copies of like eight books. I'm like, what are these? And they were, one book was of, uh, you know, Rosa Parks. There's another one with Martin Luther King, another one with like Harriet Tubman. And it's going on and on about all these key black figures in our history. And I'm like, why did you buy so many? There's like three copies of each one here. And she was like, Oh, I'm donating them to the St. Louis library. And I was like, really? She was like, yeah, I figure that they, they should have something like this and that they could use something like this. And instantly I'm like, man, why didn't I think of that? (laughs) That's so amazing. Yeah. I thought it was pretty neat. I thought it was, it was pretty neat of her to do something like that and, and think of something like that. You know, I just, I would have never, I would have never thought that. It's so true because especially in predominantly white areas, people are, I'm sure, stocking their shelves with things that predominantly white people relate to or see. And if you don't have the chance growing up to check out a book from the library that is any different than you are, then how are you going to learn or like ever experience or see anything different than you? And when you leave again, your bubble, and then the great big world, nothing is the same as you. Like, we have to hopefully get kids prepared to go out into the world and just accept and love everyone for who they are. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, you guys have been doing this for a while, even before all the, excuse me, all the recent events of, you know, our country the past couple of years. But it's just a shame that more people in companies uh, don't have that or didn't have that same awareness until 
all these tragic events happened with people dying and riots and stuff like that. It took all of that to actually, um, you know, bring more awareness to it and for people to wake up and actually see what's going on. I know it's that heart wrenching thing of why do we have to get to this point for people to like maybe open their hearts a little bit and their minds. Yeah. 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 About everything. I mean, I mean, you were saying so, so many different things. I think I might've mentioned this on an earlier podcast. There was a movie this past Christmas season. I think it was called the happiest season or the happiest holiday. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dan Levy. With Dan Levy. Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan was supposed to be in bed, but he snuck down and we had never seen it. So we didn't know what it was about. Well, we knew what it was about, but we didn't know what was coming. And he watched it with us. And while it probably was a little bit mature for him, I was so grateful because of the conversations that occurred. And he asked us a question and he said, well, why is it, why is it such a big deal to that girl that she loves another girl? Why doesn't she want to tell her, her mom and dad? And it was, I had to like take a beat and I said, you know, that's a really good question. And I think for, for us and for people who judge people because they're different, for instance, I married daddy and I love daddy. I didn't fall in love with or marry a girl and they're in love, they're girls. So just kind of talking through the process. And then I said, um, we, sometimes we become uncomfortable when we can't relate or understand something and discomfort can sometimes turn into humor and it might have started unintentionally, but sometimes that's kind of how we take our discomfort and and then we displace it. And then that becomes like a mockery. And we Mm -hmm. talked a little bit more about that, but it, (laughs) it was so cool because he then pointed out I feel like in almost every TV show or every movie, there is a, a gay or lesbian couple. Or I feel like I see that and I'm thinking like, well, what are you watching? But he's right. I mean, even if it's just in passing or whatever, I feel like I feel so much more aware. Like in my spin class last week, there's this, there's, I mean, I can't really see everybody, but there's this one black lady that sits right in front of me right here. And she's so fun and funny. And there's all these videos playing. It's all white people in videos. If you don't want to put this in here, that's fine. And I kept thinking to myself, I don't like all these white people on the screen. I'm going to need a little color. And lo and behold, Cardi B. And But she didn't care. I cared. I was uncomfortable. And that was my thought process. But at the same time, I was like, I'd rather be aware of it than not aware of it. Not yeah. that it's going to do me any good. But I was like feeling yucky and icky. And then it was more diverse the rest of the ride and I was fine. But um, I don't know. That's just where I'm at well, today. That's like so. Mary stocking the library. Like yes. she's yes. aware of it. And yeah, it's, I think once <sighs> people and specifically like after George Floyd, I was riled up. I mean, to the point of Colleen and I have always had our missions, but we haven't been like very specifically vocal about certain situations because you know, we don't want to make people mad. But then I was like, screw this. I don't care who I make mad. Like it is time for us to get our shit together and do something. And it's our job to do something, you know, it's our job. And so when you become aware as a white person, you're going to notice those videos, Colleen, or Mary's going to notice the books. And I'm going to notice things that I can change and help with too, because 
it becomes this personal thing like well how did I get in this place like I didn't do anything special to be the majority of the books or the majority of the music videos I was just born like everybody else so why do I get this privilege that somebody else doesn't get and I think the more people who can wake up to this and feel how we have felt the better off we are because there have been people fighting for equality forever and until the majority starts changing their hearts and their minds, you know, we just have to, that's the bottom mm-hmm. line. We have to, to make a difference. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. with everything, everything that makes anybody different from another person. Thousand percent. Hundred thousand percent. Hundred and one thousand thousand percent. That's when we had Steph on here, who is also a part of the Let's Redefine Normal campaign. And she was talking about her niece and she was saying how she was getting married or something. And her niece was like, Okay. Like I love when people's reactions are just like, Yeah, cool. So what? <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not yeah. this big thing. And that's why kids are so freaking beautiful and hopefully adults aren't painting them. them negatively. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I remember. I think I remember them. I pretty much remember everybody. If I, especially if I saw a picture. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. curly hair, curly hair. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Dark curly yep. hair. Yeah. Yep. yep. For sure. The She's the best. Yes. Okay. So kind <laughs> okay. of switching gears a little bit. Um, after we created our "You Are Not Alone" collection with our friend Adam, you ordered a sweatshirt and then posted a very vulnerable, honest, impactful post about mental health. And do you mind if we share it with our listeners? No, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Colleen, you read yeah, it. I, I mean, I put it all over social media. So I think it <laughs> so I think it's fair game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and there's just a couple, there's, it's very impactful because there are a couple points that really stood out to us and we feel like we have to read it before we can ask you questions. Okay. Yeah. So you have to read it. Okay. So um, this was dated October 10th, 2020. Today is World Mental Health Day. There are many different types of mental health issues that affect people. This day hits close to me on a personal level. There's only a few people that know this about me, but I've battled mental health for roughly 20 years. If you know me from a distance or are one of my closest friends and family, this might come as a shock to you because you would never know it looking at me or being around me. I've done a really good job of hiding it, and there are many reasons why. First, in the Black community, it's frowned upon to open up about this. Second, I didn't want people looking at me or treating me differently. Third, who would really understand? It's a really lonely feeling, and it doesn't matter how many people you surround yourself with. In reality, there are many other people that understand this because they're battling the same thing. I'm sure they or you feel alone too. That's why I'm here to say you are not alone. Mental health does not know race, gender, age, or financial status. It can affect anyone with no reason at all. There was no reason or one thing that happened to me. Most people don't understand that. It's not something you can help. I un- I understand this is something that will affect me the rest of my life, but it doesn't have to define you or control you for the rest of your life. Talk to someone, whether it's professionally or someone close to you. Luckily, I have an amazing wife in Mary, an amazing best friend in Will, who I can talk to and open up to about anything without fear of judgment. If anyone reading this wants to open up and talk, but they don't know who to reach out to, I will be that person without judgment. I don't care if one person reaches out or a thousand people reach out, or if we haven't talked since high school or before, good. If no one reaches out, maybe it will get people to think and take advantage of what today is, World Mental Health Awareness Day. 
the most important thing I want people to know is you are not alone. Be kind to people and do good. You never know what other people are going through. Sweatshirt cred to every kind co. They always have the perfect <laughs> messages. I love how you read that part. <laughs> well, he said sweatshirt credit. I just, you know, oh, I jazzed it up. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. Okay. There were so many beautiful things that you wrote as if we could have written them ourselves. Um, tell us all about this. What made you be vulnerable and open and share all of that? Yeah, I thought about it for maybe about a month uh, ahead of time. I knew uh, World Mental Health Day was coming up. And I just felt like, you know, last summer was really hard on me mentally. And I just felt like I had to do something. I was really on the fence about posting something on social media. Uh, and opening up so much because honestly, it's hard for me to open up about things. Mm-hmm. So this is really, you know, talking to you two is like the first time, you know, I'm actually putting myself out there and you asked if there's anything that's off limits. And I just said, no, um, because really at this point, there really is nothing that's off limits ever since I, I, I posted that. <clears throat> um, so yeah, I was on the fence for about a month whether or not I wanted to do it. And even even the day that uh, I posted it, that morning I was still like just torn. I was really torn about it. And um and then I just did it. I did it because you know, just putting myself out there, I figured I have enough people following me on Facebook and, and Instagram. I mean, I don't have a blue check mark or, you know, it's not in thousands or anything like that. But, you know, I did play football at IU. Um, a lot of people that I grew up with in school, um, I felt like, you know, some of those people looked up to me back then. And even people younger than me at school, I know they definitely did because, you know, they would come running up to me after the games and, and things like that. So I felt like I had a little bit of credibility to posting something like that because they just see someone who's musically gifted, someone that played college football, successful after that. And they just think everything is roses because when you post something on Facebook or Instagram, it's always smiling pictures and and laughing and beautiful sunsets and walking on the beach and everything like that. When that's really not the case, that's only like what the 10th of a second in time. So I needed to put something out there that was more realistic and just let people know, just like the sweatshirt says that you are not alone. Um, because there's a lot more people out there that, that suffer with mental health than than people realize. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did it. I was super scared. I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I didn't know if people were going to look at me differently, um, if they were going to treat me differently. And that was where the hesitation came in because a lot of people that I was friends with, not necessarily family because I knew they would always support me and things like that, but really some of my closest friends and some of my friends from afar, I just didn't want them to treat me differently. 
if we're hanging out, I didn't want them to look at me differently or, or anything like that because I'm, I'm the same person. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I, when I posted that, the outreach of people that either sent me text messages saying, you know, I had one, my best friend, one of my best friends had no clue uh, about this. And he sent me a text and he said, you know, you've been a stud football player. You played D1. You married an awesome wife. You have three amazing kids and you've been, you've always been successful in your work career. And this is by far the dopest thing you've ever done. (laughs) Yeah. And it brought brought tears to my eyes because I'm like, man, that, that really, uh, that's something I'll never forget. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It was tough. Well, it's kind of like you said, our, our presence on social media is kind of like, I'm not scientific or geographically intelligent, but something about icebergs, you only see 10% of the iceberg, right? And 90% of the iceberg is below the the water, the surface of the water. And, and that's kind of like the portrayal of who we are on social media, unless you're in, well, I don't even know, maybe if you're an influencer, it's still that same way. It's just glorified, but uh, it's, it takes, it takes, um, a lot of, of heart and bravery to post something that, that you're scared to post. And, but that ultimately is going to help anybody who reads it. Yeah. You know, I, apparently a lot of people read it. Um, (sighs) People DMing me talking about some of the struggles that they're currently going through some that struggled through it, but they, they're a lot better now. I had one girl who I went to middle school and high school with, who I was good friends with, and I, you know, just lost touch over the years. Well, she went through, she battled something all the way through high school. Um, she ended up changing her major to, to like psychology, and now she's uh, a therapist because of it. That's so, so cool. It, yeah, it was really cool. She told me that. And I'm like, I would have never guessed that about her in in high school. And she actually, you know, it hit home to her so much that she changed what she wanted to do in life just to help people. So there's a lot of people that I haven't talked to in years. Some people that it's been, you know, months. And then some people I knew really well that all reached out to me. And, you know, I told Mary that even if it was just one person that this affects in a positive way and just knowing like, Hey, you know, Courtney is went through it. He's, he's still battling it every day. That makes me feel better because I see his life right now. And I just know that it doesn't matter how good your life is or how bad it is like mentally, it it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't look at somebody's Instagram photos and say, you know what? I'm going to take a break on Courtney. I don't, you know, he's, he's fine mentally. Because yeah, it doesn't, so it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. No, not at all. Yeah. So when you saw that sweatshirt, it was uh, the first thing I noticed about it was uh, it was a hoodie because I'm a huge, I'm a huge hoodie fan, and it was camo. I loved it. I think when you sent, I I texted you, Colleen, and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this sweatshirt is really cool. Like I I love this one. And then I opened the 
opened it up and I saw the back of it. I was like, oh man, that is so great. And it just goes back to you guys always have the perfect messages. You do. You, you we read your mind, Courtney. It's what yeah, you try. I guess. Yes. Well, the beautiful thing about the messages is that I always say they either come from like, you can tell where Colleen and I are in our <laughs> own lives because that's what comes out. And it's like, just when we need it, that's when so many other people need it too. And so I just wrote in my notes, you wrote that you didn't want people to look at you differently, but I just have to say that after reading it, I look at you with far more loving eyes than like I did before because it's showing such courage and bravery to just own yourself and admit what's going on in your life and helping so many other people get through what they're going through. And one of the things in our society that has to change is toxic masculinity. And we see it in the news. We see it in these shootings. We see how men talk to each other, how they talk to women, how they handle, or shall I say, don't handle any of their emotions and feelings and then come out with rage and anger and hatred. And you sharing that and being vulnerable gave so much permission to so many other men to, oh my gosh, shocker, I'm a human. I have feelings. Like we all do. So why bury them down? Well, we all do because it's uncomfortable. I understand. But like you gave permission for so many people to express their feelings and how they're thinking and what's going on with them just by that post, because we can say whatever we want, but we're women. And there is a difference in our society of like, well, women can be emotional and they're hysterical and don't even get me started on the BS that people talk about women. (laughs) But for a man who is successful and handsome and has a beautiful life to be like, well, here's what else is going on on a platter and I'm going to be really vulnerable right now and that's okay. I just think the impact that that has is so big that like you might not even realize yet, but so many men I believe would have read that and in silence been like, dang, that was courageous, even if they didn't tell you. And maybe it gave them one millisecond of permission to feel a feeling right or or admit admit a feeling that yeah i would yeah yeah you know and that's that's the feelings that some of the feelings that i hope that they're going to take away from it just not on a personal level of how it's okay for them to feel like that but also to um you never know what other people are going through Mm -hmm. right it doesn't matter if it's the the cashier uh, at a store or your neighbor or in my case, even one of your best friends, you just never know exactly what they're going through. So yes, I, I would like for it to hit home personally if that's something you're going through, but also to have people look at other people differently too, just knowing that y- you never know. Have a yeah. little bit of empathy. empathy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for everyone. sure. If only for we sure. could all just go about our lives like that. And yeah, and you, you're starting to hear more and more um, men express these feelings, and like well known, like you have multiple professional athletes, you know, like Dak Prescott, who just signed a huge contract with the Cowboys, starting quarterback. 
he's been very vocal about mental health. You have someone like Paul George, who last uh, last fall was talking about his mental health issues. So when you have pro athletes where you have literally millions of people following you and, and fans of you and you come out with statements like that and trying to bring awareness to it, I think that takes, you know, big gonads to actually be able to put yourself out there. Uh, you know, my, my, my little thing was, was nice and sweet and, and tiny, <clears throat> but for them to use their platform to, you know, speak about that. And I think that that goes a long way. It goes such a long way because yeah. so many people sit in silence and feel alone and they're like, well, this is just happening to me and I have no way to talk about it and express it. And then when someone that you look up to, whether it's your friend or a professional athlete is like, oh no, I feel this way too, or this is how I feel. Then it's like, oh my gosh, I have permission to feel these things. Yeah. And, you know, and back to the post, it's, it's something that I mentioned in there too. Um, the black community doesn't really. Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. They just, it's not, it's just not as accepting in the black community. Right. Okay. You, you talk to someone and they're like, Oh, you should, maybe you should go talk to somebody or get some help or just talk to a therapist and just, just open up and just talk. Yeah, that's not something that is really uh, pushed on or, or widely accepted. Um, you know, I, I feel that way um, because that's kind of what is pushed down on on us. But it's kind of just well known in the community as well, right? So, uh, so for for myself, I was hoping that would have an impact in that way. But also, you know, I mentioned you know, Jack Prescott, Paul George, for two African-American men to use their platform to do that too. That's, mm -hmm. that's just another, that's another bonus to it too, because I feel like you're hitting a whole other demographic that isn't as accepting uh, to speak to somebody. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say not believe in mental health, but it's just kind of suppressed and, and pushed down. Uh, so I think it's it's good for that demographic as well. For sure. I was listening to um, Dak Shepard's podcast, which I love, and he made this comment about the black community. It was something I'm going to botch this, but like referencing they don't have time to worry about some trivial thing like coronavirus. It was about COVID or something. And <laughs> they were speaking to um, oh, this young kid and we'll have to put it in the blog, but he just wrote a book and about his experience. And he was saying, do you get the point I'm saying is like, I'm fighting for people to respect me, to see me, to accept me. So like, I am not spending the time worrying about some of these other things. There are bigger fish to fry when you're constantly trying to fight for like your place that you've earned in society as just a human and an equal human. And do you think that's where that stems from, where it's like, we're not going there to talk about mental health? Or is it just, I don't know, does it change by people starting to use their platform to share that? You know, why is it so prevalent for white people to be like, go to therapy, or this is great? Like, yeah, walk around with like a t-shirt that says like, I'm in therapy. 
I feel like. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's just, again, you know, I came, you know, I feel like everything gets related back to the, the post, but, you know, a lot of people didn't know that about me, but also, you know, a lot of people don't know that I speak to somebody. I talk to a therapist yeah. and, you know, this just saying it on here is probably news to a lot of people too. I think there might be, maybe Mary might be the only one that knows that. Um, but yeah, I talked to, I talked to somebody and it's might be one of the best things I've ever done for myself because, you know, I did it because I wanted to be a better person. I was struggling with some certain things and I wanted to, um, I wanted to change that about myself to be a better husband, a better father, a better friend. And I just wanted to be a better person and understand myself and why I tick the way I tick. And I've been doing this for about a year and a half now. And it's been, it's been great. Um, and it's not as scary as people think it's actually, it's really enjoyable. So, you know, Good. I, to I, have I, a I non-judgmental person yeah. to just talk to. Yep. Can you imagine? So if everybody, I, I'm saying this coming from a place where I, I have been in and out of different types of counseling and therapy for how many years? Seven, almost seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really funny and interesting to me that sometimes what I go in for, we don't even talk about that thing that day. It's yeah. like yeah. if everybody talked to someone, they might discover what they have been suppressing without even knowing they were suppressing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm not saying I want everybody's, um, you know, like the bad things to come up, but like sometimes you feel better once you puke, right? So we might as well <laughs> just bring it all up and, you know, learn how to move past it and get better. Like you were just saying, I, um, sometimes I, I get so mad when I leave and I'm like, God darn it, I didn't even address the whole purpose of why I'm, but that's fine. That's fine. That, that's what I needed. And so I've gotten past that. But um, anyway, everybody There's should see There's a whole stigma behind it. I think yeah. people think they need to go to a therapist when they're broken or when their marriage is broken or like they're going to fix it instead of I'm going to talk to someone to get the tools to process everything that life is going to throw at me. So like I'm going to go and be totally prepared for the next shit storm that might come my way then try to go there as a last minute fix. And I'm not saying people shouldn't go there when they're feeling broken or a last minute fix either. They definitely should, but there is no harm in doing it now. Like everyone should just to get the tools to go through life and communicate with people and learn about yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree a thousand percent. It's true because you go in there thinking like, I have this problem um, and I really want to talk to somebody about so it helps me um, be a better person, whatever, whatever that problem or issue is. And, you know, you're you're a thousand percent right. Uh, You might go into that, uh, that appointment and you don't even touch on that. 
you might not even touch on that for like another month if you're going weekly or something like that. Mm -hmm. And you're like, man, I talked about everything but that. Like, do I have that many issues going on right now? So you like, what is going on? But yeah, it's not necessarily you're talking to somebody just when you have an issue or problem or anything like that you're just talking to like might be just to get some things off of your chest that you can't really talk to somebody else about and maybe like discover why are you having those issues why are you like going down that path and thinking this when uh not necessarily you shouldn't but just understand why yeah yeah well and i think it's so beautiful then that experience that you're having you can give to your kids, you know, like you can raise them accepting their emotions and being who they are and talking through things because you have these tools that you've learned and received. And so now they are like getting, you know, secondary therapy from you and all the things you've learned. And I think it's just such a good, you know, cycle to continue because, I think a lot of people grow up and depending on how they grew up, we have a lot of baggage from childhood. Everybody does. And that's why I feel like everyone starts with, so tell me about your childhood because you learn a lot and you see a lot and it's hard to process a lot of that stuff in life if you don't have the tools or someone to talk to that you can trust. So I think it's just good for everyone. It really is. Yeah, you know, I went into it. <clears throat> I'm glad you said that about being able to kind of be a therapist for your own kids because empathy was, uh, I did one of those characteristic builder things and it has like your top 25 characteristics. Well, last was empathy. So apparently, apparently my empathy is, is so bad that it's ranked last. And if it, <laughs> oh, if it at least it's probably, ranked. Yeah, well, I, you know, because it can't go any, like, less than that. I think if there were 40 <laughs> characteristics, it might be 40. So uh, that's something I've been working on. And I, it's something I work on with Mary if she's going through a hard time um, or if my kids are going through a hard time, just to try to be more empathetic. And it took me, I don't even, I can't even say it took me this long to understand what empathy is because I still don't really understand truly what empathy is. Apparently I've been thinking it's sympathy. Well, mm. sympathy and empathy are completely different. They sound yeah. the same in the rhyme, but they're not, they're not yeah. the same. Yeah. So I always say, okay, well, something that Mary's having a hard time with, you know, I'm a fixer. I try to, but well, how, why don't we do this? Or why don't we do that? Well, sometimes as you guys would know, you don't want, you know, the problem fixed. You just want someone to say, it's okay. Like, yeah. I understand. I would be upset too. As hard as it is for me to do that, like I have to force myself to try to do that. I do the same thing with the kids because like you said, when you, how you grow up is it determines how you are later in life. And I no grew pressure. Up, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Right, we got to we got to get this right. Yep, we're affecting the whole next generation, right? And then, yeah, it's the butterfly effect. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> so I forget where I was going with that, but <clears throat> no, you're fine. Yeah, um, validating our kids' feelings, like when they're having yeah. a tantrum about something, well, that's big for them. Like they have a lot of feelings going on right now to make 
them feel this way. And so it's like, instead of shutting it down, punishing, telling them to be quiet, time out, it's like, let me validate you. Wow, you seem really upset. And I might be upset too and whatever. And then it's like, oh, you get me? Okay, I'm moving on to something else. Like now I'm going to go play with my doll. You know, it's like the sooner we just like validate people and like show that empathy, they feel seen and heard. And they're like, okay, I'm so much calmer now. It's when we like tell people they can't have these feelings, especially kids, like, no, behave, time out. Then it's like, well, these feelings are clearly wrong. So I shouldn't be having them instead of you're born with a whole host of feelings and emotions and you will experience all of them in some part of life. So the faster we know how to process those feelings and the faster we feel seen by like our trusted adult or parent, the faster we're like, okay, I can breathe. I can be okay. Yeah. 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 And you know, I kind of remember what I was going to say and (laughs) that was uh, like how you grew up. You know, how you yeah. grew up, is it's a big deal because I grew up with like a more old school mentality. You know, I was, like I said, I was pretty much an only child uh, besides my older brother um, and a single mother. So my, my mom, she pretty much had to raise me as a mom and a dad. So she was very uh, empathetic and sympathetic. Uh, whatever the difference is between those two and (laughs) just very motherly. And then she also had to have that hardcore fatherly uh, figure as well. And, you know, when you combine both of those, uh, it didn't matter what side it was coming from. Both sides were an old school mentality, Mm -hmm. right? So it was one of those mentalities where you don't go and and talk to somebody. You kind of suppress all of those emotions and it's not necessarily um a good thing to uh mourn for a long time or um have something affect you for a really long time um and it's okay it's okay to feel a certain way about some things and you know uh my my good friend chris who was killed last year um you know, it was weird for me because it was hard for a couple of days. And I found myself, found myself, um, like saying to me, okay, I gotta, I gotta get over this. Like I gotta move on because that's the way I grew up. And it's still something I struggle with, uh, today. Um, you know, last night I found myself going through Instagram. I went to his account. I was just looking at all the pictures and stuff like that because I just, I miss him that much. And I'm still in mourning about that, but you know, again, going to see a therapist, it's okay to mourn. It's okay to take as long as you, you need to do that. Um, so that's still something that makes me sad to talk about and to think about. Um, but again, that's something that you, you know about yourself and that you try to change yourself from the way you, you grew up. That's a great example of that. Yeah. And I know what you mean. Totally. Yeah. We actually, we spoke about Chris a lot of episodes ago. With Jean. But if you go back, Jean Smith, Colleen interviewed her and they spoke about Chris briefly um, and how he was killed last summer, summer, right? In Indy. Yeah. It was just devastating. In May, yeah. Yeah. Uh, heartbreaking. Um, 
but yeah, I love him. A good friend of mine. He was, and I know you, you probably already spoke about, you know, him. Um, but I don't think you can ever speak too much about him, honestly. And uh, I've known him since high school. And he was one of those guys, I didn't even, like, I think it was my junior year. It was his senior year. And we had a good mutual friend and he'd always say, hey, yeah, tell Courtney I said hi. And she'd always say, hey, yeah, uh, Chris Beatty says hi. And I'm like, yeah, tell him, tell him I said hi. But I don't think I actually met him. He just knew of me. But even then, before I even met him, he made it seem like we were super close and we had met multiple times. And then, you know, he played football at IU, too. So when I got there, I felt like I already had a really good friend in Chris. And then we really gelled and we were going on spring breaks together. Um, you know, we gelled so much. He was in my wedding. So, you know, having someone like him and, you know, that was the first time I've ever had a friend. Um, not as, you know, I mean, yeah, he was killed. But that was the first time I've experienced something like that. But it's the first time I've experienced a good friend just passing away, period. Mm-hmm. Um, and that hurts really bad. Um, so, yeah, Chris is he was he was pretty special. And it is it's really tough to think about it sometimes because you can still hear his laugh, hear his talking. And um, so it's that was a tough deal. It's heartbreaking, I think you know, you just have it in your head. Like, yeah, old people die. Cause that's what's supposed to happen. Young people should not be dying. And it's just, not that that's right or wrong. Everyone's, yeah. you know, but it's just devastating. Yeah. And I know Colleen, you're probably still the same way. Um, as far as like mourning and still hearing the laughs and hearing the voice and and all that it's tough mm-hmm. it's, it's 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 gotta be tough it's even tougher for you probably oh Not, no. it is it is so i could really use her help raising our 16 year old i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> anyway but here's what i like to think is that if she were here raising him she'd be calling you with the same exact complaints and freakouts and stories that you are having right now. So totally. I think you're doing a really hope. <laughs> great job for the book. Thanks so much. It won't be that much longer. It won't be that much longer. No. I remember when I was 16 and I was, man, I look back and I'm just embarrassed by the way I was like, that's, that's how you know you're bad is when you look back at something and you're like, oh, I'm, Mm, I'm so embarrassed by the way I acted. Like, that is not cool. It's and so it wasn't funny. That's like my prayer in my prayer app. I hope that one day Connor will look back and go, mm. Yeah, he we will. It's not, it's not like it's one of those drunken nights where you're like, man, I really wish I didn't say that or do that. You're 16, you're completely sober, and you're just still <laughs> acting like that. There's right. no excuse. But no, you want to know the good thing, though, is that you – can be embarrassed by that, which means you've grown so much as a person. I'm sure there's plenty of adults who are not embarrassed by that and haven't changed at all. Have some, a lot more work to do, hopefully. Yeah. Well, you're right. It's, he's going to college soon. We actually just got the email yesterday from his college counselor and she's like listing these colleges, half of which he's never even brought up in our home. Cause all I've ever heard about is Auburn. 
And it was like 10 colleges he wants to look at. And then number 11, not Alabama. And I just, (laughs) I was laughing so hard. I was crying and I was like, this is so Connor. And this is what I love about him. And it's always good to remember when you're raising teenagers, the, the good, the good, funny things because. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Um, Okay. So I just want to touch on one last thing. So you have shared your story and your experiences like with us today and you may be newer to using yourself as a platform, but do you feel the pressure? I often think about this when you choose to share your story, you're almost like saying I'm the spokesperson for this voluntarily. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but does that come with like a weight and a heaviness of like, I'm the spokesperson for being black. I'm the spokesperson for biracial marriage. I'm the spokesperson for mental health. And like, does it feel like with you sharing that you are, it's this heavy thing to carry, or is it almost lighter, the more open you are because other people are with you and see you and there aren't so many things you're holding down. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Um, I think that the only thing that I was really holding down and holding into myself was the mental health issue. Yeah. Um, me being a spokesperson for being black, being in a um, interracial marriage, having biracial kids, um, you know, I'm happy to be a mini spokesperson for all of that. Um, honestly, I'm just being myself. I'm just yeah. not. I'm just. I'm trying. I don't. You can't be someone that you're not, because mm-hmm. eventually stuff is going to come out, right? Yep, yeah. So. Yep. You have to be yourself. Um, you can't worry about what other people are really thinking. Uh, it's a natural reaction to to want people to like you and think of you in a certain way. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you have, to, at the end of the day, you just have to be yourself, right? So, yes, I'm a spokesperson for all of that. I would gladly accept that. Um, but also, I'm a spokesperson for for athletes too because everybody wants to be an athlete and they only see one side of it, but you know, there's also the arts that you can excel in. It's not just one area that, that you have to excel in. You know, if you're like, well, I really want to do music. You can do other things besides being in the arts. You can do other things besides just doing travel baseball and baseball year round. There's all these other different, all these different things. And I think my mom did a really good job of, you know, every year we would go somewhere different across the United States. Mm-hmm. You know, for my college graduation present, we went over to Europe and we were in four different countries just because she wanted me to be well-rounded. When I got later on in my life, like now I can really speak about any subject. I can speak to anybody pretty much about anything just because I've had so many different experiences that my single mother, uh, you know, gave me the opportunity for. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad to be a spokesperson for all of those things because it's just who I am. Um, Mm -hmm. not, I'm not faking it. It's just, yeah, I don't have that much energy to try to do that. So (laughs) seriously, (laughs) you know, it's so interesting when you were saying you just are you and have to be you, 
I feel for these kids and teenagers who are growing up in this world of social media and comparison and like, how do I want to portray myself with this post? Or how do I want to, you know, come off? Who do I want to be? And it's, it's a lot. I feel exhausting. Yeah. yeah. It would have to be really exhausting. Yep. Yeah. I can't imagine. And I hope kids and adults too, like they just go to the root of like who they are. Who am I? What makes me happy? What makes me angry? What makes me sad? Like all these things and just try to find and be yourself and then give other people permission to find and be themselves, which I think you're doing wonderfully because we need that. Like we need that. We need to not feel alone just for being exactly who we are. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I really do. Um, again, that whole, the, the normal campaign that you guys did, I think that just, that might've really propelled me into being more open. And I'm not just saying that because I'm speaking to you guys now it's, it's, it's true. Um, and I think that's another reason why, you know, I joke that, the t-shirts are really comfortable and again, they are really comfortable. It's like the soft cotton. It's not like the, like that, you know, stiff, stiff, stiff cotton. It's like, it's comfortable. That's the best way I can describe it. It's comfortable, but it's just not the comfort of the t-shirt. I mean, the messages are amazing. So that's why I'm wearing it on, you know, the good bones show. And every time I show up on set, they're like, is that sure to prove? I'm like, Oh yeah, don't worry about that. It's, <laughs> it's approved unless you want me walking around here shirtless because this is the only shirt that I brought. Maybe you can get the, the shirtless thing during landscaping install. Um, I, I, I bet that there's an audience for that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how Mary would feel about it, but you guys are doing a tremendous job. Um, I really really do think that um, me being myself and me just bringing more awareness of how people should treat other people and just be more in tune with themselves and more comfortable with themselves um, Mm -hmm. is a credit to, to you guys. I think you just propelled me to do that. So that's why I'm always showing you guys love. I love both of you. Um, And you guys are doing, you guys are doing a great job. So, so keep it up, please keep it it going. So kind truly that day we had this idea and it was almost like this weird, we should do a whole thing about this Colleen, because we were like, we know the message we want to portray, but we don't want to make people feel singled out. Like Mary and Courtney, we're just calling you because you're the interracial couple or Steph you are a lesbian. So like, we don't want people to ever feel like this is why they wanted us in this campaign because we wanted them to show that this is normal life for people. And the amount of inspiration you all gave that day in that room, because we had this idea and we're like, is this going to work? And then when you guys just opened your hearts and your stories and oh my gosh, Colleen and I just looked at each other like sobbing, like what? was that it it was maybe we had an idea but you guys created the most beautiful thing that literally life experiences top of my life experiences it was so moving and emotional and I wasn't prepared for what it would actually be for sure yeah yeah I I had no clue going into it 
Um, like, what are you I, guys I, wanting me to do? <laughs> yeah, I, I had no clue, but it was it was really an awesome experience. And the fact that you, you're right, it just wasn't like, oh, let's just get some. It was um, it was all of us coming together. And if you didn't follow up with us afterwards, and I never heard from you since then, then that'd be one thing. But I feel like you have relationships after that campaign, um, even to this day. So it's like a good follow up. You guys know everybody and it just wasn't something for, for that campaign. And then you're moving on to the next thing. It's, it's something that you actually cared about and you, you took that and you propelled it into even something bigger. Well, with all of your voices, that's what we're hoping to do because everyone has a story and whether they want to be open and shared or not, at least they can feel comforted that they are not the only one in the world feeling a certain way or talking a certain way or loving a certain way or living a certain way. So you're just amazing and we love you. Yeah. You guys too. You guys are, you guys are good eggs. We covered, we covered it all. Ladies and gentlemen, I mean, beyond. Did we really just scratch the surface, though? I don't know. I, it's, that's a good question. <laughs> I feel like we could have probably. We, we probably did. I just, next, I, next I, time I need a how concert. long we've been talking, and I'm like, I could probably go another hour, hour and a half, to be honest with you. So that's right. crazy that we just, we scratched the surface. Yeah, I still feel like we talked about a lot, but it was all surface level enough to get people thinking. Yeah. yeah. And then we can, we can be like little therapists. Yeah, we can be little therapists. And that's yeah. a little nugget. We'll, we'll meet again next week and then we'll talk about completely different stuff. Right. Like, Which is the beauty. Right. Well, I also with a, sam- a sampling of your um, piano. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, intro. That'd be great. I still, I can, what did they say? Tickle the ivories. Yeah. Stuff. But yeah. Depends on what kind of piano I suppose you're playing. I, I don't know how diverse pianos are these days, but I assume they're all still ivory and black. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they are. I don't they know. Are. Yeah. For the I most part. I love the way piano sounds. That's what I know. Um, all right. Well, then we definitely need a part two at some point in the future. And everyone, make sure you tune into HGTV late summer, I think. And yep. see Courtney and oh my gosh. And yeah. your brother-in-law, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the brother-in-law. It's going to yep. be epic. Wearing, wearing our every kind tees. I can't wait. It's going to be gonna awesome. We're link everything. And Courtney, where can they find you and follow along with you and all of your inspiration <laughs> of just being who you are? Yeah. My Instagram is cclency. So it's C-C-L-E-N-C-Y. And... Uh, I hope I put some good stuff to have people follow me. You do, especially the photos of your beautiful children. Those are my, well, actually, I like them all. I like the company you keep. So, <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, thank, thank you, you, Courtney. Thank you so much. I, I, I actually think after Mary listens to this, she'll be like, okay, and then let's address this. And so we might be back. Yeah. We might be back. For a part two. I have a feeling. Sounds great. Maybe with Mary. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. All right.